Welcome back to the Almost Shameless Podcast. I am your host, Tanya Ray Fox. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to 2022. It is the first podcast, Almost Shameless Podcast of the year. I'm really excited. There's a lot to talk about. Obviously, we're getting to the back end of the NFL season. Things are getting crazy. They're also coming into focus. So that's a little bit of a balance right now, trying to figure out exactly how everything is going to play out in week 18, our very first week 18 of our whole lives. And we are about to embark on it this week. So that is exciting. We have one more game to go as I record this. It's the Browns Steelers, which is not as monumental as uh, ESPN probably would have liked. The Browns were eliminated from playoff contention uh, without even getting to play this week. Uh, so uh, the Steelers are still fighting for their spot. So, so it's, it's, it's got some storyline to it. You know, Big Ben has said this is probably going to be his last game at Heinz Fields. Retirement looming most likely for him. So it's still going to be an exciting game, but uh, fewer uh, playoff implications than maybe they would have hoped. Still a lot to be figured out in week 18, and we're excited about it. So I'm obviously going to be talking about the playoff picture. I will be talking about where the Patriots fit in in the AFC now that they have clinched a playoff spot in the 2021 NFL playoffs. This is huge. You know, part of me is like, of course, this was going to happen. We always knew Bill Belichick was that dude. But uh, we also know how hard it is to do this, to do what he's done, to do it with a rookie quarterback. And we've seen the ups and downs of it, right? Like this is not a perfect team by any means, but really impressive performance on Sunday against the Jaguars. It didn't have to be that big of a beatdown. No one else has beaten the Jaguars down that bad this year. Their biggest loss of the season by a pretty large margin. And the Patriots looked like they were in a different league. They truly looked like a team that were in a different league. And both sides had starting rookie quarterbacks. Both sides had guys who played in championship games, won titles. One guy's team scored 50 points. The other guy scored 10. You know, that was a really interesting game to watch for a lot of reasons. But And I, and I don't want to break it down too much. We'll talk a little bit about it. But more importantly, just where the Patriots fit in the AFC picture and what the how that's going to kind of unfold. And then we'll also look at the NFC uh, picture as well. Things have been shifted around a little bit. After a few of the games on Sunday this week, this is one of the funnest times of the year to talk about football. It really is. So we are going to do that. We're also going to talk a little bit about the Antonio Brown debacle from Sunday. I have to address some comments that I've made on Twitter, clarify kind of what I mean, because it pissed a lot of people off. A lot of people agreed with it, but other people didn't. And you know, there was a lot of clowning and just like, you know, who do you are? Who do you think you are? Blah, 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 the usual Twitter troll stuff. But there were also people who were genuinely either offended by it or didn't seem to understand the point that I was trying to make or felt that I was overreaching. So we'll get into what I think about not just the Antonio Brown stuff, but um, my tweet about it in regards to Tom Brady, because I, it's a really complex and it deserves more than a couple of tweets. So we might as well just get into it. That stuff coming up. Quick recap for anyone who isn't completely caught up. On Sunday, during their game against the Jets, uh, Antonio Brown, uh, out of nowhere, took off his, his jersey, took off his pads, took off his undershirt, threw a bunch of stuff into the crowd, pranced through the end zone, and ran off the field in what can only be described as a temper tantrum. 
walked out of the stadium, got it into an Uber and by the press conference, he had been cut from the team. Now, I don't have to tell you a person listening to a sports podcast that Antonio Brown is already quite the controversial figure. He's already had multiple run-ins with the law, multiple issue off-field issues. Just recently, he came back to action after being suspended for faking a COVID vaccination card. Um, given his third chance with the Buccaneers at this point and his millionth chance in the NFL. And this is how things end with him and the Buccaneers. Definitely the group that has been the most outwardly supportive of him, sort of unconditionally supportive of him because of his relationship with Tom Brady. And it was bizarre. It was unsettling to watch. It, everybody, it was just not fun to watch. After the game, Bruce Arians said that it was because he refused to go in the game. Uh, he had asked him a few times to go back in. Apparently, Antonio Brown felt his ankle wasn't good enough. He didn't want to go in. And Bruce Arians told him to get out. And his response to another, his grown man, his boss, telling him to get out because he didn't want to play for whatever reason was to throw this uh, adult temper tantrum and run out of the field and get himself cut from the team. Whether Bruce Arians had any right to react to him the way he did or didn't or anything else, I don't know. I don't love the way Bruce Arians has handled it. I don't think that Antonio Brown should have had a job on the Bucks after faking a vaccination card. However, he did. Bruce Arians had said prior to all of this that Antonio Brown was going to have a very short leash and, you know, to, for lack of a better word, I'm paraphrasing, but that he would have a very short leash with the team that, you know, he had to kind of keep things in line. And if he did, they'd be happy to have him on the team. That has not happened. Even prior to the COVID thing, that has not happened. So Bruce Arians set himself up for this. There were many, many chances for him to get ahead of something like this happening with Antonio Brown in a game. And he refused to take the opportunities to prevent this because who knows? Is it Tom Brady? Is it because he wanted the competitive advantage of having Antonio Brown on his team? They won a Super Bowl last year. Antonio Brown was on that team. I don't know. But this storm has been brewing for a while and not a single person watching yesterday was surprised that yet another thing happened with Antonio Brown that seemed upsetting and uncomfortable to watch. And so it's, it's disheartening because every time we see this, it does kind of feel like, why was this guy allowed to be on an NFL field in this state of mind or considering what he's dealing with? We don't really know. And that's kind of the problem is we just don't really know what's going on. We just know that it's been something and it's something that's been ongoing. And at this point, we really don't know what it is. We don't know. All we know is there are constant issues with this guy. This is a guy who has had many, many people go on the record saying that he has treated them really poorly, assaulted them, sexually assaulted them. So this complicates his relationship with Tom Brady. It just does. And I can't help but draw a correlation between this guy being on the field and having this outburst once again, another outburst uh, in a team uniform and his relationship with Tom Brady, who has all but single-handedly assured that Antonio Brown has stayed employed. And so in light of that, I tweeted this. Tom Brady's obsession with Antonio Brown and his insistence that he remain on the team is a sign that maybe he didn't deserve the benefit of input that so many insisted Belichick should have given him on the personnel front in New England. This was well-received by many and infuriated many. So because no tweet is really the entire story, let me clarify. But my point is that Tom Brady is the reason this man is still employed in the NFL 
Tom Brady is one of this guy's biggest advocates, even after a lot of really troubling accusations and behavioral issues. This is now a guy who got up and left in the middle of a game, left his team hanging in the middle of a game. So I do, yes, I do kind of question whether or not Brady is able to make the kind of personnel decisions and have the kind of weight in that decision-making that he seems, he outright said he wanted to have in New England with Belichick. You can talk about the fact that Belichick signed Antonio Brown in 2019, but he was on the team for 11 days. And there's a reason he was on the team for 11 days. And you can cite reports to me that it was Kraft that cut him and not Belichick. You can do whatever you want. But at the end of the day, had it been up to Tom Brady, Antonio Brown would have stayed on that team. And the leadership in New England decided that wasn't going to happen. Now, it turns out that for all the crap that Antonio Brown had done prior to coming to New England, the revelations of what happened with the sexual assault allegations that got him kicked off the Patriots to begin with, and then since then, have been a snowball effect of crap. I mean, it has been exponentially more obvious to everybody in the NFL that this guy is not employable since he's left the Patriots. So it's not the same thing. Bringing him to the Bucks after he was cut by the Patriots is not the same thing as the Patriots signing him in the first place. Acting like it is, is complete cognitive dissonance. And I'm not doing that. What Tom Brady was willing to bring on to the Bucks is not the same thing as what Bill Belichick was willing to bring on to the Patriots. We know a lot more now. So the thing that precipitated his release from the Patriots was his former trainer, Brittany Taylor, accusing him of sexual assault while a Sports Illustrated article reported a second incident of sexual misconduct. That happened between September 10th and 16th in 2019. He was released September 20th. January 22nd of 2022, Antonio Brown is charged with a felony burglary with battery and two misdemeanors for one incident with a moving truck company pleaded to no contest and did not receive jail time. July of that year, Brown suspended eight games for multiple violations of the NFL's personal conduct policy. December 2nd, he suspended three games for violating the NFL COVID protocols. The league and players union found that Brown was among three players who misrepresented their vaccine statuses. And then we have the incident on January 2nd, which was this past Sunday, taking his equipment, running off the field in the middle of the game. Okay. So they brought Antonio Brown back onto the field. After all the stuff that had gone on before he ever got to the Patriots, they release him after he's been accused of sexual assault by two women. He then has another incident that includes burglary and assault accusations. And then it's revealed that he faked a COVID vaccination card. He faked vaccination in the middle of a pandemic and they still bring him back. Not the same thing, okay? Now, after the game, Brady asked for empathy and compassion for Antonio Brown insinuating that there's stuff going on there with him that we obviously, we, the media, the public, the fans don't know. I think we can all safely say that it is clear that Antonio Brown is struggling with something. I am not a doctor and I am not here to guess about his physical, mental, emotional health uh, or what may or may not be ailing him. I don't know what his mental health situation is, He's never spoken about it. Unlike a lot of athletes who've come forward and spoken specifically about their mental health and taken care of it, like Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, a lot of these players have come out and point blank said, this is what I'm dealing with. I'm taking care of me. I'm taking care of my mental health. 
We have not heard that from Antonio Brown. So I cannot speculate as to whether or not he has diagnosed or undiagnosed mental health issues that he's dealing with. I can definitely say that this behavior has thrown red flags. I can say that we have it on record that he has treated people really horrifically, really poorly. We know that. Whatever's driving that is kind of secondary. Because here's the problem. Mental health issues are not an excuse to physically hurt people, to emotionally or mentally hurt people. There are people all over the world every day dealing with mental health issues who don't behave this way toward other people. We don't, we treat mental health as if it's some sort of excuse for whether it's criminal behavior or just outright being a jerk to people, making them uncomfortable. Like a lot of the things that he said and done have been really uncomfortable and put people in awful spots, whether they've been direct assault or not. So even if we were to assume he's dealing with some sort of mental health issue, it is not an excuse to continue to take advantage of the people who are willing to help you and give many, give you second chances and then treat everybody else like trash. It's just not. And if you are dealing with something at this point with the number of people who've tried to stand by you and help you, and you have not decided you want to help yourself, then I can't continue to prioritize your mental and emotional and physical health over the people around you who you continue to hurt. I understand that Tom Brady is close to this person and he doesn't want to see him hurt. And I think that's admirable. And I think that's what friends should do for people that they care about. But it has been clear for a while now that football is not fixing what ails Antonio Brown. It is not helping him. Keeping him gainfully employed in the NFL is not helping him. So if Tom Brady's way of trying to help Antonio Brown is bringing him into his home and giving him a job, that has not worked. Meanwhile, he has continued, continued to make life difficult for other people. I want to hold empathy and compassion for the women who accused him of assaulting them, for the other people in his life, business associates who've been robbed of money from him, who've also been assaulted or nearly assaulted by him. I want to hold compassion and empathy for those people too. And he is not learning a lesson of accountability from the world by being told by one of the most famous people in the world that it's okay, you can come live with me and I'll give you a job and I'll take you to a Super Bowl. That didn't help. I know Tom Brady is coming from a good place. At this point, it's not been helpful. Not that his friendship isn't helpful, not that his empathy and compassion isn't helpful, but we continue to see Antonio Brown take advantage of these opportunities every single time. It's not working. We've got to let it go. This man is not going to be helped by a job in the NFL. I don't know what's going to help him. That is up to the people in his life that care about him, his family, and his friends. Whether that's Tom Brady, Bruce Arians, whoever else, I don't know. But I'm not giving Tom Brady a pass for continuing to, to vouch for a guy who's really wreaked havoc everywhere he's gone since he left Pittsburgh. Be a shoulder, be a support system, do what you need to do behind the scenes. But when it comes to your football team and asking other people to understand where he's coming from, I think that's a step a little too far. No one here wants to see something bad happen to Antonio Brown. I don't think anybody that Tom Brady was speaking to yesterday looked at that situation and said, screw that guy. I think most people with a heart saw that and were once again, really just 
thrown off and confused as to why this continues to happen. And there has to be a little bit of accountability here. Bet Online has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowl season and the pro football playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports, so don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online where the game starts. So when I said I don't think Tom Brady's decision making when it comes to personnel really lived up to his own hype, this is what I'm talking about. He recruited his best friend, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, who's continued to make a fool out of him and Bruce Arians. And he got Leonard Fournette to come after he was cut by the Jaguars. I'm sure that was a really difficult, really difficult pull. A lot of people were really quick to remind me yesterday that AB won a Super Bowl last year with Tom Brady. As if Tom Brady couldn't have won the fucking Super Bowl last year without Antonio Brown and his 22 yards in that game. Didn't play in the NFC Championship game, had 22 yards in the Super Bowl and a touchdown. You're telling me there's nowhere they could have gotten that, they could have replicated that production? Nowhere, no one else on that team could have found a way to get those 22 yards and a touchdown without Antonio Brown there? The team that beat... Green Bay without Antonio Brown in the NFC Championship game. Tom Brady won a Super Bowl, completed the greatest comeback in the history of the NFL without Rob Gronkowski. You're telling me they couldn't have figured out a way to win that game last year without Antonio Brown. He made Chris Hogan a prolific postseason catcher, but he needed those eight total catches in three playoff games last season from Antonio Brown. That was the genius GM move that Tom Brady made by recruiting Antonio Brown, who wasn't even the third most important person on their offense, and Rob Gronkowski, his best friend, who he played with for nine seasons in New England after Bill Belichick drafted him. These are the genius personnel decisions that he's made since he got he went to Tampa Bay. Okay. Listen, Tom Brady is already the GOAT. He's already so good at everything. He's the best at everything. I happen to think he has a bit of a blind spot for the people that he's already friends with in the league that he wants to play with because he's a human being and not everybody is fucking perfect at absolutely fucking everything. I think he's one of the smartest players to ever play football. I think he's an amazing coach. I think that the way he sees the field, if I could see through someone's eyes for 10 minutes, I would love to see through Tom Brady's eyes as he scans the field on like a fourth down in the middle of a playoff game to see what he sees, to see how he diagnoses defenses. He seems to be a kind person who cares about his friends and family. Unproblematic, as the kids like to say. I don't think he's done himself, the Buccaneers, or Antonio Brown any favors by recruiting him to that team and giving him an opportunity to still play when there are people who have been forced out of that league who've done a lot less. When there are people who Antonio Brown has victimized who aren't getting the compassion and the empathy 
that we're giving to Antonio Brown. It doesn't mean I don't think we should give it to him. I think we should give it to almost anybody. And I really do think most people, even crappy people with bad character or who make bad decisions, everybody deserves empathy and compassion. That does not mean you get a pass from criticism. It doesn't mean you get a pass to continue to make millions of dollars in the NFL and make a mockery of it. That's all I'm saying. It's not one of Tom Brady's best decisions to align himself with this particular guy in football, outside of football, as a friend, as a mentor, any, whatever. I don't care about that. But, but in football, it's just not a good look for him. And it would behoove NFL players, not just Tom Brady, to start acknowledging how these types of people affect the people around them. And to stop acting like their behavior happens in a bubble, that it's isolated to just our perception of them as football players. He affects other people in the world. And he has for quite some time now. And we've been hearing about it for quite some time now. And I don't want to play this game of acting like criticism shows a lack of empathy or compassion. Those two things can exist simultaneously. I can criticize him. I can criticize Brady and Bruce Arians for continuing to allow this to happen. And that's what I'm gonna to choose to do. Okay, moving on. Hot stuff coming up. The playoff picture is coming into focus and it's been great news for Patriots fans who, like I said earlier, locked up a playoff spot. As of right now, we'll go over this really quickly for the AFC. I'm gonna talk AFC, then we'll switch to NFC real quick before we go. AFC, as it stands, after week 17, the Tennessee Titans have the number one seed, Chiefs are number two, Bengals number three, Bills number four, Patriots number five, Colts number six, Chargers number seven. Regardless of whether the Steelers win their game against the Browns, that is not going to change. The only two teams in the playoff picture so far that have not locked up a playoff spot heading into week 18 are the Colts and Chargers. Still vying for those spots are the Raiders and the Steelers. So the Steelers can help their case, obviously, by winning against the Browns, but they will still need a little help to get into that picture. Right now, the Chargers and Colts are winning their end situation. If it stays the way it is right now, the Patriots at, num at the number five seed would go and play the Bills in Buffalo in the wildcard round. Now, I don't know how you feel about that. Obviously, the last time they went to Buffalo, they came out with a win. It was a bizarre game. It was a really cool game. I loved it. I do think that there is something about the way the Patriots play in Buffalo that almost makes it like less scary than if they were hosting Buffalo. I do think that the Patriots are a better bad weather team. And that was a big difference maker in the game in Buffalo last time. So the elements already obviously help. Uh, of the teams in the playoff picture right now, I think the team that would be the best matchup wise for the Patriots in terms of their uh, chances of winning in that wild card round and moving on is the Bengals. First of all, the options are the Chiefs, Bengals, or Buffalo, unless uh, the Patriots are able to switch, unless the Patriots are able to win the division next week. Obviously, if they won and Buffalo lost, they would win the division and they would hop into getting that home game in the wild card round. As it stands right now, it, it seems unlikely that the Bills are going to lose to the Jets, although nothing is off the table. Obviously, the Jets almost beat the Bucks this week. They have something to play for. They have pride to play for. Um, Robert Sala seems to have them at least grinding out the final few games of the season, so you never know. But if it stands right now, it would be nice to somehow see 
the Bengals instead of the Bills. And this is why I think that. The Bengals are a young team with a lot of talent. They are fast. They are strong. Um, they have a lot of grit. I'm not underestimating them, but Bill Belichick eats up young quarterbacks. He just does, especially when you get to play him in these big games. And he can co out coach Zach Taylor up and down the field. We don't know everything there is to know about Zach Taylor. And I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but he is an unknown entity. He is a young coach and he is not Bill Belichick. So you pair a young coach and a young quarterback, a young team overall, that's really built on skill and speed. And you pair them up against that Bill Belichick defense. We've seen stuff like this before. We know how this story goes. And I think that that would be Truly, if I'm Zach Taylor and I'm Joe Burrow, my nightmare matchup in the wild card round is Bill Belichick and the Patriots defense coming in and figuring out a way to stop what they're doing. I also think it would be a really fun game, sort of old school, new school. I think it would be interesting to see how Mac is able to counter what Joe Burrow does because Joe Burrow is so explosive. His weapons are so much better at the wide receiver position. It could be really, it would just be a really interesting matchup. And I really don't need a third game against the bills this year. If I don't have to, at least not in the first round, that'd be nice. On the NFC side of things, the field is a little more complete at this point. They've got Green Bay with the number one seed. They're 13 and three, likely to finish the season at 14 and three, which is totally insane. Then the Rams are at two. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are at three. Cowboys at four. Cardinals at five. Niners at six. And Eagles at seven. Obviously, all of these things, this seeding can change, but that's where it stands right now. And Every team in that picture has locked up their spot except for San Francisco, who is still technically competing with New Orleans for that final spot. So if they lose and New Orleans wins next week, the Saints leapfrog them into that spot and knock the 49ers out of the playoffs. And that is actually pretty likely. It could actually happen because they are playing the Rams and the Rams are fighting to win the division there because if they lose and the Cardinals win, the Cardinals win the division, they get that home game. The Cardinals are playing the Seahawks at home in Arizona. So they are in a really good spot. San Francisco has to beat the Rams to maintain their playoff spot. Meanwhile, the Saints, they just have to deal with the Falcons, who, again, division games, you know how I feel. These things can always go awry, but objectively easier path to the playoffs right now for the Saints. The question is, do they have a quarterback that can help them get there? Who knows? So those are some interesting matchups as well, because... That would have Kyler Murray going back to Cowboys Stadium where he is 9-0 undefeated. And the Rams would obviously be drawing the weakest playoff team in the field, probably in both the NFC and the AFC. I think we could all agree that the Eagles, while having an impressive season considering how they started, probably the weakest team that's ended up in the playoffs. And you have to imagine that's practically a guaranteed win for the Rams. So you could really pencil them in for a divisional game. So that's kind of where everything stands. Here's the thing. I have to go on record as saying all my skepticism about the Patriots being able to make the playoffs with their rookie quarterback, my fears have been alleviated. Luckily for me, I was exactly right about how they were going to be able to get there if they did. The run game and the defense. Has Mac Jones done his MFing job? Absolutely. Mac Jones has done his job every step of the way, even when he's not been great, even when he's had down games, he has never melted down or fully disappointed the team. And there are going to be times where he is subpar, where he is not able to rise to the occasion he can in some other games. Yeah, sometimes you got to get lucky and draw the Jaguars so you can kind of unleash, decide that your new favorite wide receiver is Christian Wilkerson 
and score 50 points. Like sometimes you're going to get the opportunity to do that. He took advantage of doing that and really kind of got his groove back. So Mac Jones has absolutely performed above my expectations. Um, and he's really become a quarterback, a rookie quarterback that it hasn't just exceeded my expectations on, on the field and his performance wise, obviously he's been great. He's exceeded everybody's expectations. That's not unique to me. Um, but just the way he's been able to handle being a, a young leader on the team, making relationships um, with the veterans, with the people who came in as free agents, no matter what, they seem to be a really tight, cohesive unit. And this is, you know, a team that's got some people left over from the Brady regime, the Brady Belichick era and new people, you know, there's, it's a real blend of old versus new right now. And he has really bridged the gap super well. I'm really impressed. You know, I really am impressed. And, you know, I haven't seen so far a quarterback that looks like he's going to be, you know, the best young quarterback in the playoffs by any means. Again, he's a rookie. There's still a lot of things that he has to face. But like I said early in the season, he has the team that rookie quarterbacks dream of having when they enter the league. A team with a feisty, strong veteran defense, playmakers, a system, the greatest coach of all time, a run game that when it's all healthy and thriving is as good as any in the league. This season has been a hallmark season for Bill Belichick. This has been so impressive to watch. I really hope they're able to seal the deal next week with a road win against the Dolphins, who now would really just be playing spoiler to the Patriots, playing to knock them out of the chance to win the AFC East because the Dolphins are out of the playoffs. But we all know that team doesn't give a shit whether they have something to play for. They are going to play for it, especially when they host the Patriots. So that's never a gimme. We've, all, we've seen this too many times, but it would be so nice to see them win that game Finish the season at 11 and six. Obviously it doesn't change anything. Their playoff spot is, is secure. It is what it is. But uh, I feel like Bill Belichick really deserves that, that win, that 11 in the win column after what he's done this season, um, after what that defense has done, after what he's done to build up that run game for Mac, after what Matt, he and Josh McDaniels and Mac have done to bring along that pass game. It's, it's been awesome. They do look like a team that could have a chance at a wild card win if the cards fall the right way. If Damian Harris is healthy and the defense continues to play the way that they've been playing, I will feel better if they look really good against the Dolphins next week. Beating down on the Jags feels nice. It's good for momentum, but it doesn't totally sell me on this team being completely ready to win a playoff game 100%. I would feel a lot better if they went in and beat up on Brian Flores and the, and the Dolphins to close out their season on a higher note than they opened it with a statement game, as you might say, this season, I had to defend myself a lot when it came to my takes on Mac Jones. But if you look back, if you listen back outside of my initial reactions to when he was drafted, which were supposed to be outrageous and ridiculous and funny and not um, hateful in any way, but I always wished that they had a veteran rather than a rookie. But once they named him their, their starting quarterback, I've always been on board with what they've been trying to do. And I will stay on board because he is now their franchise quarterback. And I'm really happy about that. I can't wait to continue to see him grow and get better at what he does. And I do feel happy that in the end, the season just proved that Bill Belichick is still the best at what he's he does. He's still the best at helping of 
everybody on his team do their job to the best of their ability, even a young rookie quarterback who wasn't considered to be the most explosive dynamic athlete coming out of the draft. He's the He's the rookie quarterback that really is the last one standing in terms of his successful season. One of the few quarterbacks in NFL history to throw for 20 touchdowns and have 10 wins in a season. Him, I believe it's Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, and I'm drawing a blank on the other one, whoever it is. It's a, it's a small group and he is one of them. So it's a massive achievement and you can't take it away from him. Lots of other rookie quarterbacks have had good defenses and uh, good run games, maybe not as good as the Patriots, maybe not a run game as good as the Patriots. They certain, certainly haven't had the greatest coach of all time as their head coach. But when you get it, you take advantage of it and you do not let go. You don't let go of that advantage. And Mac Jones never did. So I couldn't be happier that we're going to get a chance to see him get to play in a playoff game in his first season. What an opportunity for us, for him that by the time he starts his first game in his sophomore year next year, he will have already seen the playoffs. He will already have that little bit extra experience over the other rookie quarterbacks. You couldn't ask for anything more from this season. You really couldn't have. Uh, if we do get more, that'll be icing on the cake. Thank you guys for joining me. I really appreciate it. Happy 2022. I'm looking forward to being able to talk more about uh, the the end of the season and the playoffs, lots of stuff coming up. And I look forward to seeing you not only after the Dolphins game, not only after the rest of week 18 plays itself out and we have a perfect playoff picture, but for the playoffs themselves. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy. Don't worry about New Year's resolutions. Just live your best life. That's all anyone can ask of you, okay? Bye.